Good morning, everyone. Uh, to God be the glory. Uh, please keep your Bibles open to Matthew 11. If you haven't gotten there, go ahead and go there. Matthew 11, and we're going to look at the last three verses of that great chapter, verse, uh, verses 28 through 30. Um, <clears throat> this week, uh, even on our conference calls, we're going to be focusing on uh, dropping the weight of worry. Uh, we're going to be looking at worry and dropping, looking at talking and discussing how we can get rid of worry and live a life uh, that's a little more uh, worry-free. And so today we're going to open up uh, with our message, uh, focusing on uh, maybe the first aspect of getting rid of worry. And uh, so today's lesson uh, will be on rest. Uh, tell your neighbor to rest. <laughs> Uh, amen. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Thanks, Charles, for reading that. Um, it, I want to go back to a, a time in my life when I was a little boy in my childhood. And in my childhood days, um, I just didn't seem to have a care in the world. I just didn't seem uh, to really have any worries. And if I did have a worry for a day, uh, by the next day, things was taken care of. I just lived a uh, pretty much a uh, stress-free life, maybe up until high school, and some of that stuff was just junk we put on ourselves as high school students, but I just lived this carefree life. I even remember as I uh, was, I was about 10 years old, and my father was out of work. Um, he had a uh, he was sick and he was off work for several months. And one day it hit me as a 10 year old, are we gonna be okay? Are we gonna be able to eat it? And I was kind of, I don't know, tripping over it. And, and, and I asked and my father said, boy, your mother and I have taken care of days like this. And just him saying that, uh, I went on and, and, and lived my life and didn't concern myself with life and just continued to have a life of play and enjoyment of a, what a 10-year-old. But then when you got in high school and I guess you're trying to be more like adults, you begin to put stuff on your life that worry. And I remember uh, on my way getting ready to go to college and would I have enough money and would everything work out. And again, my father comes to me. Uh, he said, you're stressing over nothing. He said, again, your mother and I had planned for you to one day go to college. And so you don't need to worry. You don't need to stress. You need just to go and uh, make good grades. And after my first year of college, I remember uh, coming back home and I was, I had a moment where I was uh, feeling and the best word I can use is clear. I was feeling uh, clear. Uh, I didn't have no drama in my life. I didn't have, uh, I had passed all my tests, all, no more exams. Uh, I didn't have any papers to work. I had the summer. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, it felt like when I was a kid that I had no cares in the world. Uh, and life was somewhat stress-free. Uh, I had good health. Uh, 
I had uh, no messy relationships and um, no financial problems. Everything was good. And I just was like, and, and so many days, I want to go back to that day. Uh, it was a day that doesn't come around enough uh, where I could just rest that everything was fine, that everything was good, that I don't have to trip out over anything. And, uh, and, 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 and all of us should want a life that feels good, that feels clear. And yet the word of God is when you read through, particularly the gospels, uh, we are to kind of have a life that is clear. And if anything we can learn from the quarantine, even if we go back into uh, uh, regular life, one of the things we ought to learn is how to rest um, in the promises and in the word and in the relationship we have with Christ, that we can rest in him and that life can be clear uh, because if he has it, if we have given him whatever is concerned to us, things will go well. Uh, but life doesn't quite operate that way. We, we stress and we worry over things that we have no business worrying over. Um, and life doesn't always feel good. Philip Yancey says that the trouble with life is that life is daily, that every day we must get up to try to do life again. And Yancey says he wished that life was just a one ongoing cycle, that I never have to sleep, I never have a new day, I, because that's the trouble with life, that every day I must commit that I'm going to enjoy life, I'm going to embrace life. And the trials and tribulations of life, I'm going to rest on someone else. James Dobson says the problem with life is that life is straight, that, that, that life is straight. Well, I beg to differ with Dobson in his evaluation because life isn't straight. Life has ups and downs and peaks and valleys and, 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 and it's those valleys and it's those dark days and those heavy days, it's those quarantine days and there's days when I have nothing to do and uh, I can be in a room but yet still lonely. It is in those days that I don't know quite what to do. Uh, we're all a phone call away from uh, our world being shaken. And every one of us have had a day where there was a phone call that we received and that phone call changed our life. Uh, that phone call, that knock on the door, that text message changed the trajectory of how we saw life that day. Uh, so therefore, life isn't straight. It has its ups and downs. This text uh, in Matthew chapter 11, uh, is an interesting text, um, but it's a it's a test it's a text for the rest, giving rest for the weary. Look with me again as it as we read this text. It says, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened." I don't know about you, but that should be all of us that we are some days in our life that we are weary, we are burdened. <clears throat> And then he says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This text, to me, elevates three things that I want to focus on uh, 
in our message today. The first thing it looks like, the first point, if you're going to write this down, the first point that I want to elevate is that this is an invitation for everybody. Uh, again, tell your neighbor, it's for everybody. Now, if you're home by yourself, maybe you ought not tell your neighbor anything. I don't want you to begin losing it up in here, okay? Um, but this invitation is for everyone. Look at verse 28. He talks about all who are weary, and the, first, and the key word in that text is all. And let me give you an example. The Greek, in the Greek, uh, the word for all is all. There ain't no word. It means it's inclusive. Everybody's included, rich, poor, black, white. I don't care who you are. This invitation that Jesus is extending to humanity is about all who are weary, all who are burdened, all who are stressed out, all who is worrying day after day, all who got situations and adversity and circumstances in your life, all who is fearful of COVID-19 or of any other illness or any other situation. He said, all of you, I am sending you an invitation. You must decide if you're going to RSVP this invitation, but I am I'm sending you an invitation that you can, uh, we can be tag team partners. We can, you can run to me. I will exchange my uh, burdens to yours because mine's are so light and I'm going to give them to you. You give me yours and you can move on with your life having a clear day, living in your life, living uh, clear, no pressure, no tripping, no drama. And, and, and you may say, I want that. Well, the first thing is you have an invitation. The question is, will you RSVP uh, the invitation? And, and you say, well, I want to RSVP the invitation, but you got to remember that your partner in the journey of this Christian journey, uh, your partner is Jesus Christ himself. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not a huge wrestling guy, but uh, sometimes when you have wrestling matches there, Four people in the ring is like tag teams, and the two the people wrestle, and then when one gets weary, he goes to the corner and tags his partner, and the partner exchange. Listen, this is what we're this is what we're talking about, is that this is a tag team, and we just need to go to our corner, go to our closet, go to God in prayer, and just talk to Him and do a tag team, tag His hand, touch Him, and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. Uh, and, and so we look at this and, 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 and we see hope. James Cone says that worry is, uh, is about placing our stuff in, uh, on tomorrow. We're, we're, using, we're, we're so worried about what's going to happen that it doesn't do anything for tomorrow, but it clearly robs us of all our strength uh, today. And there's multiple types of uh, burdens and worries. Uh, the first one is emotional. And uh, we, we just worrying about everything and uh, going nowhere. Uh, it reminds me of a story I read somewhere in a book uh, about this lady. Uh, she lived her life basically by herself. Her grandmother and her grandfather both died of cancer at an early age. And uh, her mother and her father both died of cancer at uh, an early age. 
And her, she had two sisters, and her two sisters died of cancer at early ages. So by 30, she had no one else. Her grandparents were gone. Her parents were gone. Her two sisters was gone. And so for the next 40 years, this woman worried that any day she would get cancer. So anytime she felt a knot or anything, she felt anything or didn't feel well, she worried, worried, worried. She refused to live life. She refused to enjoy life because she was constantly worrying about she was going to get cancer. And finally, at the age of 70, uh, she started worrying again about cancer and she died of pneumonia, that all her life she was worrying about something that never happened. She lived 40 years after her last relative died, and she was worrying for 40 years that she was going to get cancer, and she died from pneumonia. Somebody here today, you are worrying about something that's in the future, the possibilities. And let me give you, a, let me just share this with you. If you ever have to say, what if, if you ever say, what if this happens, that is always from the pit of hell, because the Lord is not asking you what if. He is, he said, I am a present God. I am a present help. I am a present personality in your life. I'm not coming. I'm all, I've been there. I know what's going to happen. So I don't have to say what if. And so when you say what if, you are using the suggestions of the enemy who is playing games in your mind to remind you of something that may not even happen and usually don't happen. And so therefore you are worrying for nothing and you are worrying about a tomorrow and it's robbing you of your strength for the day. And so therefore you emotionally are wrecked over something that God has control of. And so therefore the first thing is, again, this invitation to you, but you got to accept the invitation that your partner is Christ. <clears throat> sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's spiritual. Um, that you have sins that you just won't even forgive yourself on. Listen, there was no need for Christ to die on the cross for your sins if you don't believe he has forgiven you of your own sin. If you can't forgive yourself, then it was pointless for Christ to take on your sins and die on a cross and be raised so you could have life if you're not going to believe your sins are forgiven. Amen, church. Let me share this with you. Uh, 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 Jesus, he's our big brother. And, 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 and a lot of times when, uh, you know, uh, in a family, uh, the oldest has to bear uh, some sense of a responsibility that the other siblings don't. They sometimes, parents give the older sibling uh, a responsibility where God the Father gave our older brother Jesus a responsibility to look after us and take care of us. And it reminds me of the church that I went to as a little kid. Uh, my grandfather was the pastor and it was called South Calvary Baptist Church on Southside. And, and anyway, um, between Sunday school and morning worship, we would go to this store to pick up um, uh, candy and stuff because, you know, uh, y'all didn't know how to get out of church. So we had to get our supply uh, for church service. So we go and get these penny candies. 
And one particular day I'm walking, uh, it's just a two block walk where this store was. And I'm walking to the store and uh, this boy took my money and told me that every Sunday that I was going to have to come. So I didn't get no candy. He was a bully. He was older than me. He was more frightening. He was frightening to me. He was bigger than me. He was older. And I was scared to death. And so I ran back uh, to the church. And when I got back to the church, my brother was about ready to go to the store, my oldest brother. And he said, what's going on? I thought you went to the store. You ain't got no candy. You know, all the questions. And finally, I told him what had happened. And so the next week, I wasn't going to go to the store because I was afraid he, this kid was waiting on me. And my brother uh, told me to go. He said, I got you. And he allowed me to go on to see if the dude, Kaz, would come out. And Kaz came out looking for me, going to take. But my oldest brother, and for ones who are not on TV or on the screen, you can't see. But my oldest brother behind me was holding up his fist letting Kaz know you're bigger than him, but I am bigger than you. And I will take you out if you decide you're gonna mess with him. So therefore, every Sunday after that, I had a clear mind. Even if my brother wasn't with me, I just would have to let him know, do you want me to tell my brother? And, 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 and listen, we got a brother in Jesus Christ that he's willing to take on. And when the enemy is playing games with our mind and making us worry and trip, we just got to tell the enemy, do you think, do I need to tell my brother? Because if I tell my brother, I'm going to have a clear day. If I tell my brother, you're going to have to sit down and obey him because you may be bigger than me, but you are not bigger than my Jesus. Is anybody in here just excited to know that Jesus is bigger than any problem, any situation, any adversity, any circumstance that we may be facing in our life? He's bigger than that. Well, let's go on. That's the first point, that we have this great uh, <clears throat> invitation. But in the invitation itself is in verse 29. And in the invitation, it tells us in verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In essence, he said, listen, uh, he said, listen, the invitation is, is that I may not necessarily remove the problem, but I need you to take it. I need you to take what I'm giving you. And, 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 and the question comes to the reader. Well, how do I take, uh, how do I take Jesus, this yoke? Uh, uh, how do I take uh, uh, your yoke? And, and, and do this exchange. How do I do that? And he says, you have to first decide to learn from me. It's in verse 29. In essence, some of you got religious slogans, but you don't know him, and you're not digging, and you're not sitting at his feet daily to get to learn from him. So therefore, when the trials come, you could just look at the trial and learn and tell the word to the trial. Listen, I ain't got to worry. I ain't got to, you know, I ain't got to trip because the word of God has shown me that he is with me. 
He's with me today, tomorrow, and forever. He's with me, and I can rely on the promises of Jesus because the word of God is true. See, we got to learn from him. We got to decide, I'm going to learn from him. I'm going to learn his word. Bible readers know that the word itself, the Bible itself, the Bible itself is Christ. He is the word. John 1 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word himself. This word needs to be digested. This word needs to be eaten. This word needs to be digested on a daily basis so I can get to have this relationship, this love affair with Jesus. Um, uh, I've shared, I think I've shared this story with you guys before. Y'all know I'm a Colts fan, and uh, uh, I know Misha and uh, Yusuf in Cincinnati is uh, uh, serious Bengals fans. They think they got it going on. They're going to only win four games this year. Uh, but uh, no, but uh, I'm a Colts fan, and and one of my favorite, uh, my favorite all-time Colts fan player is Peyton Manning. I mean, by far. Uh, but Peyton, uh, I love the story. I've shared it with you before, but it's so fitting here. Is that when uh, Peyton was being drafted, there was actually two players. They thought everybody thought Peyton Manning was one. Uh, that could who earned to be drafted first, uh, and uh, right now the the other guy skates me the other quarterback, but they were uh, both being um, um, taunted by the Colts. Colts had the first pick, just like the Bengals did the other day. And in this draft, as they were talking uh, to these uh, two quarterbacks and seeing who's going to be the face of our franchise, uh, they wasn't sure the the. Uh, it just looked like they both were good. Uh, they both were talented. Um, they both had good statistics. They just wasn't sure. And so they talked to the first, oh, the two days, to the week before the draft, rather. I think it was a week before the draft, uh, they talked to uh, the, the other quarterback. And in, in their conversations with him, they shared with him, uh, if we select you as the first pick to be the face of the Indianapolis Colts, to be our quarterback, um, what are you going to do? What would be the first thing you would do? And, and, and the quarterback said that I, the first thing that I would do is uh, uh, I'm going to throw the biggest party. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to have my friends over, and we're going to party for 24 hours. And um, Bill Polium, uh, who was then the vice president of the Colts, felt that that was a great answer. What 21-year-old wouldn't do that? Uh, that sounds reasonable. But then the next day, they flew in Peyton Manning and talked to him, and they asked him the same last question. What will you do if you are selected, um, the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, to be the face of the, uh, of the franchise? What would you do? And Peyton Manning says, I will call the coach get the playbook, and I will begin digesting the playbook 
because I want to be victorious. I want to be winner. Listen, brothers and sisters, if he, he is offering us uh, uh, an invitation, he says, take this invitation, uh, but to take it, you have to learn from him. And so therefore you have to take it, the playbook, the word of God, and begin digesting the, you want to praise him and have no word. You want a resurrection, but have no cross. Listen, you have to decide that I'm going to dig into this word and I'm going to digest this word and I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's how I learn from him. And as I learn from him, it leads us to our third point is that we get the promise. The, what is the promise? He says in verse 29, he said, if you learn from me, you what you'll discover that I am gentle and humble in heart. And then he says that you will find rest. That's what he's saying for your souls. And you'll discover that life or your yoke is easy and my burden is light. In essence, that you, the take means you surrender. That, that when you begin to take and sit down and learn from him, you begin to surrender your life to look like Christ. Listen, part of our problem in the Christian race and in the Christian faith, we rather have religion over relationship. We rather have stuff and, 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 and verses. How do I look like Christ? Listen, this world would be totally different if even half of the Christians would live like the precepts and the principles of Jesus Christ. How can I uh, take this yoke. It's about accepting that he gives a promise and I'm surrendering my life to him. Uh, how often, how can I surrender my life to him? I want to surrender my life to him by putting, hugging people and loving folks and, 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 and sitting at his feet daily and sharing my life with other people because I got one shot at life and I want to make the best of it. I don't want to live with a life regret, but I can't change the path, but I can deal with the present and decide that I am going to rest in him and every time situations come i'm going to run to him and rest in his promises and rest in his way and rest in what i know about him that he is faithful and he is true somebody can testify that when my back was into against the wall and i ran to him i discovered that he was faithful i discovered he was true i discovered that he would literally make ways out of no ways that he literally opened doors that there was no way any man could open and then he shut some door that no man had the power to shut i am so glad that his promises is true that i can rely on him but it requires me to surrender surrender all that i have all that i want all that i desire and give that life back to him. Dear God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your rest. Thank you that you give us rest. Thank you that you uh, allow us to be all that you want us to be is by turning our lives to you, accepting your magical, glorious invitation. Lord, I want to live a life that is clear. I don't want to have to fret. I don't want to have to worry because worry is sin. But I want to be able to know, like you showed up, you trusted that your father had you. I want to trust 
that you have us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, brothers and sisters. Uh, we want to have communion. Uh, we're in your homes today. And if